0: was here, everyone was getting ready for their 4th of July cookout, so did everyone have a good cookout? Yeah. Come on now, hopefully you did, hopefully you did. Did you guys bring your faith this morning? Yeah. Did you really bring your faith? Because yeah. just a moment ago, I was out there and I heard like the spin class or something next door, and they were all like, whoop, there it is, you know, like, and I'm like, man, if they can make that much noise in a spin class, come on now, house of God. We got more faith than a spin class in Jesus' name, all right? So, if you're ready, if you're expecting, I want to encourage you to lift your hands right now. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to get right into the Word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your Word. Lord, we remind ourselves today that the grave is empty that you have conquered death, you've conquered the grave, that in you there's healing, in you there's life, in you there's wholeness, in you there are new beginnings. And Jesus, I pray right now that our eyes would be open to see how present you are in this place, how active you are in our circumstances. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take that which may be dead in various areas of people's lives today. And in the name of Jesus, I just proclaim right now, let it live again let it live again. Lord, as your word goes out, as your word is preached, may it bear much fruit in people's lives. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, give your neighbor a high five. You can take a seat. You can take a seat this morning. Do you guys love your pastors? Come on now. Every time I am up here, it is just always so um, refreshing uh, to be a part of what God is doing in your midst. And I hope you don't take your church for granted. I hope you don't take your pastors for granted. Um, I know I've said it in the past, but it is worth repeating that what God is doing here in your church is not normal. It is not normal from the beginning to the very end of it. in anything in every, uh, every facet of what God is doing in your community, it is just not normal. And I want to encourage you, don't take it for granted. I want to encourage you continue to keep your faith up in it, because I truly believe that, um, you know, as we were worshiping, I felt uh, Pastor Anthony, like the Holy Spirit just put in my heart, he reminded me of the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, and how um, they, were, they were fighting, and after they took a step against the Philistines, it, the Bible just said in passing that all the people came out of their caves. And they went to fight. And I just felt the Holy Spirit encouraged me to encourage your church that this is going to be a season of people coming out of caves, that this is going to be a season of people coming out of hiding. Um, and, and, specifically in the community. And I believe it's going to be in a pronounced way. I'm believing it's going to be in a unique way. I believe it's going to be something that marks this next season. You guys are coming into it's just, you're going to see people coming out of things in Jesus name. So want to encourage you. It could be starting with you could be starting with someone in your world, but God is on the move. Amen. 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 Well, I'm excited to share uh, an idea with you guys this morning. Um, this is a brand new message. I always try to, uh, when I come up here with you guys, not give you something that's just, you know, a, a, you know, hot pocket. Put it in the put it in the microwave, heat it up again. But really seek God on what it is that I could I could bring to contribute to what God is doing in your church. And I was talking with Pastor Anthony about some things that are on his heart that he's wanting to preach on in the the coming days and weeks. And uh, I just thought that I would go ahead and seek God and speak into that area as well. And specifically what I feel God challenging me uh, to speak to us about today is why the way you live your life matters to God. It's a topic that a lot of people don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole this day and age, all right? You do you, (laughs) boo-boo. Live your own truth. Live life the way you think is fit to live. And yet the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, and its end is death, all right? And so as followers of Jesus, we have to understand... God designed humanity. We have to understand that God created this earth, this entire order, and it's actually he as the designer that has the sovereign right to decide how we should live. And a very real part of this kingdom life that we are invited to walk into is that when we open our lives to Christ, he not only becomes our savior, But the the terminology that Paul uses in Scripture is that he also becomes our Lord and our master. The word he used in the Greek is doulos, which literally is bond slave to Christ. And and I can understand that that's that's not the kind of language that gets people shouting and hollering and amening and standing up and and saying, preach, preacher, because we live in a culture that worships individuality. We live in a culture that worships. I'm going to do things my way. And if you try to tell me how to do things differently, well, how dare you? And yet Jesus loves us too much to leave us to our own devices. And so that's why I want to talk about our lives, how we manage them, how we steward them, and why it matters to Jesus. I'll be honest, I'm not naive to the fact that some of the things we're going to talk about today, they may cut somewhat close to the bone when you consider the full implications of what I'm talking about, but... I want to encourage you that these are things that God has set in order out of the heart of intense love for you, right? He does not do this out of, out of rage. He does not do this out of malice. He does not do this out of anger, but he does it out of a father's heart of love for you and I. And so second Corinthians chapter five, this is, this is a passage we love sharing. And yet we love taking a snippet out of it. And I want to break open our time today by actually widening the aperture a little bit, a little bit further so we can see more of the fullness of what uh, Paul is really getting at in the Corinthian church here. And so we're going to pick up in verse 17. And this is the one verse that everyone loves to go ahead and share. And it says, if anyone is in Christ. Yeah. Is anyone in Christ this morning? Yeah. Come on now, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things are passed away. Anyone glad that the old things are gone? Yes. Come on now. Anyone glad that the old things are gone in Jesus' name? So says, the old things pass away, and behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, I want to just stop there for a moment and just remind you that, and it's easy sometimes to forget where you were when Jesus found you. And I think to really catch the flavor of what Paul's talking about here, we have to remember that there was a moment where Jesus made you and I right with God, that there was a moment where I was an enemy of God. There was a moment where sin had control in my life. There was a time when I was ruled by my past. There was a time when death had the final say in my life. There was a time where the labels that people had put on me actually had power over me. But Jesus stepped into my story. And it changed everything in my life. And I wonder, do you remember where you were when Jesus found you? Do you remember the insecurities that were controlling you? Do you remember the fears that were gripping your heart? Do you remember the guilt or the shame that kept you from looking yourself square in the eye when you looked in a mirror at your own reflection? I can remember being in that place. I wonder what was it about, about Jesus that originally opened your heart up to him? I've been married for 14 years. If I'm not careful, I can take my wife for granted. I can just presume that I'll always have her heart. I can just presume that she'll always be faithful. I can just presume that the the things that she does so often to make our home the safe, loving and and nurturing environment that it is, that she'll just keep doing it. If I'm not careful, I can presume on my marriage. And it's interesting that the scripture uses the terminology of our relationship with Christ, that it is a marriage. And I wonder, have you taken Jesus for granted What was it about him that originally won you over? What was it about Jesus that originally just completely wrecked your heart in the best way possible? I just want to ask the question, does it wreck your heart still? What was it about Jesus that opened your heart to the reality that there's a God in heaven who loves you? See, Paul's talking here and he's reminding us that we have all these things through Jesus, that there's a moment where Jesus comes into my life and before that happens, it was a completely different circumstance. And then it gets even crazier. He says, and he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. So here's the implications of what he's saying right here. That the same thing Jesus did in your life, he has now tasked you to do in the lives of other people. That the same way that Jesus broke down the barrier between you and God, that once you are made right with God the Father, your life is no longer about you in that now you have been entrusted with reconciling your world to its creator. Look at what's happening in the world today in the need of reconciliation on so many different levels in society, not just locally, not just nationally, but globally, the need for reconciliation in this world. And Paul says That's the mission of the church. That that is the mission of every single Christ follower that we are here to reconcile. See, the church is unique in how it sees what's wrong in the world. The world looks at it and says it's a matter of a distribution of wealth. The world looks at it and says it's a matter of clean water. The world looks at it and says it's a matter of education. The world looks at it and says it's a matter of legislation. The church looks at it and says it's a matter of sin. It's a matter of separation. It's a matter of an order that has been marred, left to its own devices, needing to rediscover its original design and purpose, which is only possible through relationship with Jesus Christ. The church approaches reconciliation different than any other institution in humanity. And if we don't take on our place in space, then someone else will. And they'll put a false God in that void. They'll put a political party in there. Okay, They'll put a mandate in there. They'll put uh, uh, science in there. They'll put a remaking of the humanities in there. There's so many different things that can try and fill that space. And he goes on and he says in verse 19... God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us this word of reconciliation. Therefore, everyone say, therefore, anytime you see therefore in your Bible, pay attention to it. It's a connecting word. And what it is, it's bridging what's about to be said with everything that came before it. And he says right here, therefore, we are ambassadors. He doesn't say we might be. He doesn't say we could be. He doesn't say that the select few of us will be. right? He doesn't say just pastors will be ambassadors or just worship leaders will be ambassadors. No, he says we, all Christians, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was making his appeal through you. as though God is making his appeal through you. Let me ask you a challenging question. How does the way you live your life, what what does it tell people about the nature of God? If you did not have the opportunity to qualify your words, your actions, your phone records, your browser feed. What would it tell people about the nature of God? Because Paul says that the way you live your life is the avenue God chooses to make his appeal to humanity through. That's a pretty heavy thought right there. I mean, we love looking at verse 17. We're all made new, but we leave all the accountability of the next couple of verses way out of, out of perspective. Wow, yeah, you're a new creation, but the weight of that is that now God is reaching out to humanity through your new nature. Yeah, and so already we can begin to see right away that the way I live is completely caught up And God's plans of salvation for humanity. So when we look at this passage, there's three quick insights. The first thing is that in Christ, all things are made new. If you are in Jesus, you're new. If you are in Jesus, you are made new. And there's some people here right now. And I just, you know, the enemy loves to pick away at that truth and, and Paul did not stutter in the preaching of the gospel message. He didn't strike this line out and say that was a little too far reaching. No, you who are in Christ, you are a new creation. Your past, your family's history, your origin, your background, all of those things no longer have final say in your life. You are a new creation in Jesus name. I don't know about you. Sometimes I need to be reminded of that. All right. That's the first takeaway from this passage. Second thing, there's more reconciling to be done. As good as it is right now, the fact that you are right with God, we can't afford to take our foot off the gas pedal. I can't afford to slow down. I love the fact that in this passage, Paul communicates that God is aware that we haven't arrived yet. I love the fact that God is aware that life on planet Earth still sucks. I'm thankful for that. I would be worried if God would look at it and just be like, well, this is as good as it gets. I don't know what you're complaining about. But but Paul is saying, no, there's more work to be done. There's more work to be done. To be done. There's more reconcil- reconciling to be done. And then the third thing is we act on behalf of a greater kingdom. You are an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. And here's the thing about being an ambassador is that an ambassador's lifestyle and message are one and the same. The ambassador cannot separate their life from their message. There's never a time where the ambassador is not on. An ambassador understands that wherever they go, they actually represent their people, their nation, and their kingdom. There's also a part of being an ambassador where your personal opinion isn't worth two beans on a plate. I had to do... um, we, we had to do extracurricular projects in uh, the school that I grew up at. I went to a private college prep school. And uh, one of the clubs that they had me be a part of one year was Model United Nations. Has anyone in here ever heard of Model United Nations? And I remember there was one year where I had to represent Russia. And I was mortified to realize that I had to get up in front of a crowd of people and actually philosophically depend or uh, defend their approach to world politics and i'm getting up there and i'm talking about things that are going on in parts of the world and i have to look at people with a straight face and say no this is the way it should be and i remember looking at my my teacher for a moment and saying like well i don't really believe that and she looked back at me and she says doesn't matter that's your role And yeah, it was just a little bit of an exercise. But there's this thing that I think we need to come to in our life with Jesus where we look at our preferences and we look at the urgency of the kingdom and we realize at the end of the day that what I prefer does not take precedence over the weight of eternity and that there is reconciling that still needs to be done. And so... That's why we end up with verses like 1 Peter 2, 9 in Scripture, which says, you're a chosen people. Someone say, I'm chosen. chosen. He says, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You see, what I want to remind us all of this morning is that there's a so that connected to how you live your life. Peter's speaking here, what does he say? He says, you are a holy nation. We live in a day and age where people expect the pastor to preach about God's grace, but the moment you start talking about holiness, it's religion. Tell me about how God will take my sin. Tell me about how God will forgive me of my my shortcomings and my mistakes and and my my habits and proclivities that I keep in the shadows. But, But the moment you expect me to truly live a changed life, that's just religion. And yet you look at the words of Peter here and what does he say? He says, no, you are a holy nation so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. What is he doing? He's bringing back that idea of an ambassador. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador proclaims the intentions of his people. And you are called to holy living so that your life can proclaim the life-changing message of Christ. You see you're not called to holiness for the sake of holiness i grew up in the south and we would hear things like i don't smoke drink or chew and i don't take girls that do okay it's kind of good advice you'll live a lot longer in jesus name but, but we kind of joke, like, that's holiness. It's just like, holiness is just because that's what you're supposed to do. But the reality is your holiness has a so-that attached to it. And that so-that is this, that when you live in true holiness, it has an attractional power to it. You see, there's nothing like the allure Of a life well lived. I can remember when before I started dating my wife, you know, the thing that just completely attracted me to her was the way she handled herself in public settings. I could tell she didn't need the attention of guys. She didn't need it. She didn't need that guy's attention. She didn't need that guy's affirmation. She didn't need that guy's approval. I can remember one time where, where I actually saw her out on a date with a guy who's actually now the chief of the SWAT team in Virginia Beach in Jesus' name. And I remember just looking at her over there and just being like, oh, my gosh, like, she's the most incredible woman in the world. And man, there she is on a date with another guy. This moment is awesome, you know? And... Uh, then I saw her in church, and I started talking with her, and I'm just sharing with you the story. I don't know why, but uh, it, it, it was amazing to me just to see how secure she was everywhere she went. And she didn't need people's approval. She didn't need people. There's something about a life well lived that isn't at the mercy of these things that everyone else in life chases after. And the world has tried to convince the church that your greatest asset is your greatest liability. That your holiness is a repellent and not an attractant. And the reality is... It's your holiness that proclaims the goodness in the presence and the reality of God far more powerfully than someone's message or preaching or bumper sticker or T-shirt or social media post ever will. That your life lives the holiness of that truth. You see, true holiness sets you apart. Holiness sets you apart. But what is holiness? See, if I were the devil, I would try to confuse what holiness even is. And holiness is more than perfection. See, holiness, perfection is the fruit of holiness. It's not holiness itself. If I showed you an apple, does the apple make the tree or does the apple come from the tree? You see, perfection doesn't make holiness by itself. Perfection by itself makes legalism but holiness will create the fruit of perfection and what's wrong is we've tried to shortcut the process and say that holiness is about is about actions but holiness isn't about actions holiness is about your nature and when a person's nature changes guess what their actions change see holiness is not about thou shalt this thou shalt that All of those things aren't even possible if your nature hasn't changed. And the command for holiness out of the scriptures is built upon the the understanding or the assumption that we will be a people who understand that we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And the commands of holiness follow out of that revelation of a changed nature. Isaiah 55 says this God speaking he says my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways for as high as the heavens are above the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts so we we got just a couple minutes here I'm gonna try to land this plane so God is saying I don't think the way you think you guys catch that in the passage we just read God says I don't live the way you live I don't think the way you think Well, if we look elsewhere in scripture, in Proverbs 23, what does it say? It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if God's thoughts are different, it means his nature is different. You guys catch that there. If God thinks differently, that means that his nature is different than ours. And here's the error we always make when trying to understand holiness The error we make is assuming that God is just like us. I assume that God is just like me. And I call that hair dryer holiness. If you don't know what that is, every year I get the opportunity to take a team to Israel for our church. And there's always at least one person on that trip who assumes that every power outlet in the world has the same voltage in it. And they will take that good old trusty made in the usa hairdryer and plug it into that israeli outlet and there's a poof, as way too much voltage flies through that hair dryer and you know what happens a lot of times in life is is we just assume that god is just like us and we take the patterns of scripture and we just try to plug it into our life the way we've always been living without allowing our nature to be transformed and we wonder why it doesn't work. We wonder why it blows up in our face. We wonder why it leaves us feeling empty. We wonder why it doesn't quite seem like it's as satisfying and fulfilling as scripture said it could be. And it's cuz we're just trying to take away a living, plugging into it for as long as we can muscle it out on our own without allowing it to actually change our nature. In Psalm 50, 21, God judges the wicked, he says this, these things you did and I kept silent, you thought that I was just like you. You thought that I was just like you. You see, so many people in the world have abandoned the faith because they don't understand the holy nature of God. See, they look at what's going on in the world around them and they say, if this is the best god can do i don't want to know a god like that but the reality is is that the world right now does not reflect god it reflects sin and that's why jesus came to this earth and jesus came and he lived like no man before him had ever lived and he showed people a new way to be human And now as ambassadors of that very same savior, you are called to submit your life and your lifestyle to Jesus so that when people look at you, they see the recreation of man and not the sin of this world being perpetuated. And so I just wanna ask the question, where have you grown comfortable Reflecting the world? Where have you grown comfortable reflecting the world in your talk? Where have you grown comfortable reflecting the world in your media intake? How have you grown comfortable reflecting the world in your dating relationships? How have we grown comfortable reflecting the world with how we handle our finances? How have you grown comfortable reflecting the world in your marriage, in your parenting, in the way you, you do your job at work? And I wonder what would it look like to instead choose to reflect Christ? Now there's a whole other message, a whole other series of talking about what that's like, but. The big thing I wanted to land for us today is that how you live your life matters. You see, the way you manage your sexuality, it matters. I say it right here, the way you lead your family, it matters. The words that you speak, they matter. How you, how you live your life matters. Because when the world looks at you and the world looks at me, And they come to us and they say, man, life chewed me up and it spit me out. You can look at them with a holy life and say, but that's not how God treats you. That when we look in the world and we just see the jagged edges and we see what's broken and we see what's wrong because we know that God is different, that He is not like this world, that His nature is holy, that His ways are higher than our ways, that His words are higher than our words, than His holiness. When you really understand what holiness is, it doesn't repel you from Him. But in the midst of a world that is broken, in the midst of a world that judges, in the midst of a world that uses, in the midst of a world that abuses. When I understand what true holiness is it's the thing I run to to get away from all of that. It's no longer the thing that I hide from. To hide from holiness is to say I live in the brokenness. To hide from holiness is to say I live in this limitation. To hide from holiness says I live in this humanity but to run to holiness says I don't have to live that way any longer i was that person but i don't need to be that person anymore so as we close what would it look like to recreate your life in the image of a holy god i'm speaking to you follower of jesus who know there's an area in your life that is out of step with the counsel of scripture And you've believed your lie that there's such a thing as a little sin and that sin stays with you. But the reality is sin is communal. It always starts with you, but it never ends with you. So you follower of Jesus who know that you have an area in your life that is out of step with God. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to pray through what would it look like to submit that place or that space in your heart to jesus christ once again and for those who are in here today who have never heard someone talk about jesus like this before and you realize the heart behind the call to holiness that god is saying i have a new way for you to live That you don't have to stay in your brokenness, you don't have to stay in your weakness, you don't have to stay in your doubt, you don't have to stay in your insecurity, but that when Jesus comes into your life, you are truly free, you are a new creation, the old things are gone, and the new things have come you're sitting here today and you're saying i need that new life i've been searching for it but i've not found it i've been hungering for it but i'm coming up short joe i've lived life the best way that i've known how but it's just left me more broken more hurting more confused more disappointed more in angst and anxiety and fear and uncertainty with myself and life than ever before if that's you in this place I want to tell you right now you don't have to live like that there is hope in the name of Jesus and you don't have to go and fix yourself on your own because you are where you are if I can say this respectfully because that's our nature without Jesus in our story but you were invited to walk in wholeness you were created to live in peace you were created to live a life that has a rest that is only found in Christ. So you're in this place today and you're saying, Joe, pray for me, I wanna know that God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in this place, you're saying, Joe, I've done the best I can on my own, but it is not enough. Man, pray for me today that I can know Jesus like you're talking about. I know that I need things made new in my life today. I've been doing the best I can, but if I'm honest, it is not enough friend, I want to tell you something that as you open your life to Jesus today, that new life I'm talking about, it can be yours because of Jesus's death and resurrection. So you're in this place today and you're saying, Joe, pray for me. I want to know Jesus. If that's who God is, if that's what he's like, and that's why Jesus came, I want to know Jesus. That's you in this place. I'm not going to get you to stand up. I'm not going to call you to the front of the room, but I do want to pray for you. So I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I want to encourage you to lift your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it in this place. I don't know, every week people say yes to Jesus. This week is different because it's your week to say yes to Jesus. So you're here today and you're saying, Joe, pray for me. One, two, three. Go ahead, lift your hand this morning. I see a hand there, a hand there, a hand there, a hand there. Yes, ma'am, another hand here. I see many hands through this row here and many, many hands right back over here. Yes, ma'am, right over here. Eat both sides of the room, front to the back. So many people saying yes. Jesus today saying pray for me I want to be forgiven of my sins I want to be right with God awesome anyone else and you haven't yet lifted your hand I believe there's more people here this morning so many saying yes to Jesus yes ma'am I just saw another hand pop up right there anyone else in here today if that's you go ahead lift your hand high enough long enough for me to see it if you don't think I've seen it yet give me a wave I just want to make sure I know who I'm praying with who I'm praying for today Awesome. Yep, I see another hand right over there. I see another hand right here, right now. Anyone else in here today saying, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Church Alive, can we give a hand for every single person? We're going to pray a prayer right now. And as we pray these words, it's not about the words. It's honestly, it's about the heart. But God looks at the heart. The world looks at the outside, but God looks at our heart. I believe that that new life, that new nature we've been talking about is received as we open our lives up to the love of Christ. So let's pray together right now. Everyone say, dear Jesus, take my life. It's all yours. I've done the best I can, but it is not enough. I believe you created me for life, for peace, for joy, for wholeness. But my sin has gotten in the way. So I surrender it to you. And I ask you to forgive me, Jesus. Make me right with God. I now confess. I am a new creation. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.